Welcome to Season 2 of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Welcome to the Week Pastor Podcast. We are so thankful and delighted that you've joined us again for a new episode of uh, of this podcast. And I'm excited about the topic because I think it's a necessary topic for us to talk about. Uh, Sue, are you doing well? I'm doing very well. You're always doing well. I am usually doing very well. Usually doing well, yes. And I, I am doing really well. 2023 has been a really good year I don't know. You for have me tennis so far. Elbow. Yeah, but I mean that's something. Who cares about that? But I'm just thinking like <laughs> I'm I'm excited for this year. This is a this is a really like I'm I haven't been this excited for a new year and um in a while actually. You like, have been so pumped about this year. I am. I'm like, so this whole pumped time about this you've year. been so pumped about I'm, I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped. So I can't I, I'm just I, and it's January. So you know, I mean, you know, maybe when you listen to this, it'll be February, but any event, but uh, but I'm just so pumped. I'm so pumped about it. But I have a question. And this is uh this is a like a kind of a funny one, all right? So like I know you shared with me and I share with you like like one of the most embarrassing moments in your life and mm-hmm. you know that was when you were like walking on NYU with your yeah, hair, hair and fell out. your hair fell out and all that stuff. Hair. But could you share because you know you say you're a clut. Could you share with us a recent embarrassing moment in your life? Like something pretty recent that was kind of embarrassing. Okay, something that was recent. That was kind of embarrassing, okay? So Think about it. I don't like hang out with anybody recently. No, no, so. it could just be with your family. Like that's the thing. It could be with your family. It could be in front of John, in front of your kids. You know, who cares? It's, it could still be embarrassing, right? So, yeah. All right. So you think about it because okay. I because okay. I got a funny one. I, I it's fun. My wife and son. Like sometimes I I I don't feel loved by them because <laughs> they care more about laughing at that moment than actually checking if I'm okay or not. Like that's the problem. Oh, by the way, I just want to say, remember when your wife and child Christian said that you are like an elephant? Yeah. Because you're just like a klutz and you just bump into everything. Somebody, I won't mention who, messaged me and said, "Uh, Pastor Peter is definitely not an elephant. Elephants have like excellent memory. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. I I, I don't even want to guess who that might be. Okay. Continue. Uh, They do. Elephants do have excellent memory. <laughs> they never forget anything. They don't forget anything. Yeah, that's where they can walk like to like the water holes, and they it could be like you know thousands, like a hundreds of miles away, but they'll just they still know the path, right? See? That is definitely not me. That is not me. Okay. Uh, the most recent one it happened about I would say about two and a half, maybe three weeks ago. Yeah, three weeks ago. Uh, so you know, one of the things I like to do with my son is I like to take him to a baseball field and I like to throw balls at him and so that he can hit it, you know, and stuff like that. Because you know, we have a batting cage in our backyard, but like you can't really see like where the ball is really going. And so I like to do that. And the problem is, is that sometimes these fields are taken. And so we went to the new Overpeck Park, and uh, we went to the baseball field there, and it was locked. It was locked. Hmm. And I just said, okay, well, you know what? Um, we can jump the fence. It's okay. Let's just go in there. You know, who cares if it's not open to the public? But you know what? Nobody's using it, so we can use it. So Christian, it's interesting you know, logic. Yes, he's very nimble, <laughs> and you know he he went over that he went over that fence with no problem. And then it was my turn, and so I climbed the fence, and I thought I did pretty good. But you know, because I got bad knees, I don't want to land upright, like straight up. Like I want to like bend my knees so okay. that I can break the impact on my knees because I got bad knees. And so that's what I did. But I squatted too much when I landed, and I <laughs> fell back, and completely like my legs were completely up in the air. <laughs> and I wore these sweatpants. Jenny said that she saw my butt crack. Oh my goodness! So they were 
like they were laughing. They could not <laughs> stop laughing. You know, my sweat pants were a little loose on me. And they were just like, oh my God. And so I'm just like, you guys, like, you're not even asking me if I'm okay. Like if maybe I hurt my knee. <laughs> They were like, why didn't we have the phone on? We should have recorded this. You like, would have gone like, viral. They laughed so hard. Like, it was like the best thing. And like, Christian was like, thank you so much that you said you want to go <laughs> like, to a baseball really field today. This. Because this was so funny. And yeah, and so, yeah, I, and, you know, I got mud on my back a little bit, you know, because it, it rained a couple of days beforehand. So the field was still a little wet. But anyway, that was my recent embarrassing moment for me. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. How about you? Did you do anything klutzy? Um, but my klutz is mostly stupid, not very exciting things to talk about. Like okay, I walk okay. into okay. things and I yeah, walk into yeah, cabinets. Yeah, I want to know. However, this I don't know if this falls under the category of like klutziness, but I'm also very forgetful. And so um, a couple you weeks are? ago. Yeah, I'm pretty forgetful. You remember everything. No, no, no. So I remember conversations and things okay. people have told me. I never remember like dates and times and appointments and things like okay. this. Unless, okay. and that's why I write everything down. Mm. So if I don't write it down, I'm screwed. Like I don't okay. know. So a couple of weeks ago, John says to me in passing, I was doing something. And that was the problem. He should have told me when I was at my desk or yeah. like, I had my phone. He said to me, Oh, by the way, tomorrow around like 11, the window people are going to come and fix the window. So I was like, Okay. But then I forgot about it and didn't write it down. So the next morning rolls around and I like exercise in the morning and I'm in the shower. My kids were, this is during the vacation. So my kids yeah. were home. So I'm in the shower. I have a bunch of shampoo in my hair. <laughs> and then I like this. Audrey runs up to the bathroom and she, she goes, mommy, there's somebody at the door. They said they're for the window. And I'm like, yes. I was like, oh my gosh. So what do I do? I'm literally in the shower with a head full of shampoo. Yeah. And yeah, then I'm yeah. like, just tell them five minutes. Tell them five minutes. So I quickly, like I still, I mean, I run out of the shower. I still have like soap in my hair pretty much. And like, I literally just pulled on like a jumpsuit, like really quickly. I'm like dripping wet everywhere. I walked downstairs and like, I did the thing. The window guy came, he, whatever, he left. The funnier part, the funniest part about all of this is I found a piece of paper that Lila had written on and it said in a sharpie it said my mom is in the shower <laughs> she needs five minutes and she I guess she had been holding it on the door <laughs> oh that is awesome <laughs> so the guy was probably like what <laughs> she wrote my mommy is in the shower she needs five minutes so this paper was on the floor so I'm guessing she was holding it up to see show the guy wow Wow, was, that is good. It was good. pretty wait, wait, embarrassing. So, so you had shampoo in your hair. Did you use a towel to dry your hair off? I mean, I quickly kind of did it, but wow. literally, I'm With sure if this guy saw me, he could clearly hair. tell. Yeah. Like I it was it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Okay. I looked like a hot mess. Well, thank God, like you actually thought, all right, I'm gonna get fully dressed and I'm gonna go down. Some well, people What am I do supposed that. to They'll do? Put a towel on, put on a bathrobe and go down, you know? So I don't think that's appropriate. Uh, some people will do that. Trust me. Some people will do that. Yeah. yeah so I think he's going to get the wrong idea. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Okay. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Thank you for that. That's that's good to know. That's good to know. I think those are good insights into our little inner of world. Of what? Of that embarrassment. I'm or, yeah. So ba yeah. basically, make sure you, if you need me to do something, you need to like tell me while I'm like, I make sure I write it down because yes. I will not remember if you don't. Okay. 
Well, let's shift focus here. We're Are gonna you going to segue us? No, we can't segue on this one either. I mean, I wish I could, but we can't. Uh, you know, so one of there's a there was a great documentary. First of all, our audience, you guys know that how much Sue and I love The Chosen, and it's a story of Jesus' life. And if you have not watched it yet, I highly recommend that you you watch it. You can watch the first two seasons on Amazon Prime. I think Netflix has season one. Uh, but you can also download the Angels app, uh, Angel Studios app, and then you can watch all three seasons Look there. At you, you're like um, a spokesperson for the it's chosen. Fantastic. You know all the multiple yeah. platforms. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Yeah, and so uh, shout out to Geo, uh, one of our guests, our social media person who's just amazing. Uh, he actually sent us this documentary, and it was from the chosen. And what they basically did was the director Dallas Jenkins. He he chose about nine people, nine generation Zers. All right, these young kids and um he invited them over to the set and they were watching the chosen but the sentiment of these nine people were that they felt that the church was unnecessary they did not feel like they needed to go to church anymore and some of that was through personal traumatic experiences that they had to endure in the church from like church leaders but some of it had actually was family members you know things like that uh, some of it was because of their sexual orientation. It was a great documentary. Highly recommend that you watch it. And we'll try to put that link in. Maybe we'll put a, put up this post for this episode if you guys want to check it out. But anyway, uh, there is a, a growing sentiment where young people really believe that it is unnecessary to go to church. And I would say that that is growing. It, it only grows more and more because as, as our country becomes less involved and less Christian, uh, they will obviously believe that we don't need a church. But the thing that worries me is that a lot of Christians believe, there's a number of Christians that believe that the church is unnecessary. And we want to talk about that a little bit. We want to talk about that and uh, just kind of just share a little bit about um, about kind of our thoughts on that. And of course, me being a pastor, I'm going to have more of the thought that's going to be pro-church. But Sua, what, where are you on this? Um, I know you do go to church regularly, but where are you in this? Like, say your kids get older and they come to you and they say, Mom, I don't think I need church anymore. Like, kind of like, where are you in that? Because I know church is important. You guys go every week, you know, and stuff like that. But where are you with, with that understanding? I know you have a lot of friends, different people with different kinds of faiths and different and different stages of their faith. What 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 are your thoughts on this? I think that from what I've read about Gen Z years, because remember, I'm a geriatric millennial, so I am not. I'm very far away from. You're a super that, old millennial. Yeah, I'm you're a not very, a Gen Zer. You're not a Gen no. Z-er. I am not even close to that borderline Gen Zer. <laughs> um, but I have read that that generation has a really low trust in institutions in general. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the church. The church yeah. is part of it. But in general, established religion and institutions, they have very little faith in overall. That includes the government. It includes like just corporations, like anything that is an institution, right? Yeah. Um, I, it doesn't surprise me, um, given that even in my generation, I have heard this phrase, and you know you've heard this phrase, and it even... I think somebody said it on this chosen documentary. Oh, you know, I'm not really into religion. I'm, I consider myself a spiritual person. Yes, I feel like yes, this has yes, become yes. the kind of go-to phrase and people describing themselves. And somebody says like, oh, do you have a religious affiliation? No, I don't have any specific affiliation. I'm, I just consider myself spiritual. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that's really interesting because that's been something that um, when I was growing up, most people had an affiliation even if they didn't go to church regularly they would say they were christian 
Like if their parents were Christian, they would be yeah. like, oh, I'm Episcopalian or whatever. But there has been definitely um, this shift in how negatively Christianity is viewed. Yes. Um, and the church is even worse than that, yes. right? Because I know people yes. who have said to me, I like Jesus. I just don't like the church. Right. Tons you know? of people say that. Yeah. Yep. Why? What do you think that's all about? Well, I How mean, do you like, like Jesus and not like the church? Right. And there's a recent documentary that came out. I think it was on Discovery Plus about Hillsongs. I haven't seen it. I don't have mm-hmm. Discovery Plus, but it talks a lot about, you know, again, like I think the media has done a really great job of trying to poo-poo the church. And I think we've given them a lot of ammunition to poo-poo it mm-hmm. uh, in some ways. So I think we're guilty of it. When I say we, I mean Christians and the church as well. But, uh, you know, th- theologically, I think, you know, what we just want people to know is, you know, in Ephesians 5, it says that Jesus is the head of the church. And so we can't say, unless you don't, if you, if you believe in the Bible, you cannot say the church is irrelevant or the church isn't necessary. Then you're saying Jesus is ne- unnecessary, Wait, right? Jesus. No, pause. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question. Yep. What would you say to the people then? And if you made that point and they said to you, okay, but what about if I'm part of the universal church of the body, like all Christians are part of the body. We're part of the universal church. I just don't like going to a local church. Yeah. Do you think that makes any sense? No. Is there any no. basis no, that, for that? That's, that's, that, that's just, in my opinion, just somebody just trying to, you know, rel- just kind of water down and just saying, yeah, it's, it's easy to say, yeah, I'm a part of God's universal church, uh, but I'm not a part of a local church. You need to be a part of a local church because clearly in the New Testament, um, Christians there clearly identify themselves with a local body, right? And that's important to know. And uh, because Jesus Christ is the head of the church, it's important for us to be a part of it because we need community. And the ironic thing is that the Zeers are looking for community. They're looking for like one of the things about the Zeers is that even though they're so highly connected to one another through digital, uh, one of the things about the Gen Zers is that they don't know how to communicate that well because they're always connecting via digitally. And so they're seeking community. They're seeking more like, you know, like in-person type stuff. And so they, so that could be a great, great advantage for the church, perhaps, you know, in that way. But yeah, but Jesus is the head of the church, you know, and because of that, the church is necessary. The church is an important instrument in how God continues to use uh, uh, his, so that his kingdom could be advanced and grow in this world. He uses the church still and God hasn't given up on the church. And so if God hasn't given up on the church, you know, we can as well. Now, has the church done some things where people have come to that conclusion? Yeah, I think. But, you know, I think I, I've done some research and the sad thing about all of this is that the reason why the Zers aren't going to church is not just because like, you know, they don't like institutions and stuff like that. The reason why the Zers aren't going to church is because they grew up in a home where their parents weren't very religious. They grew up in a home where their parents weren't very spiritual. And that's what the studies have shown. They said that most parents of millennials and Zers, they did less to encourage you know, church participation or um, than, you know, previous generations in the past. So like the example would be, you know, I, I'm a Gen Xer, right? My parents are boomers, right? They, they, there are studies that say that the boomers generation did far more to encourage their kids to go to church and be a part of, you know, religious activities within a, within a local body than the Gen Xers did. Right. And the Gen Xers, of course, are now parenting the millennials and so on and so forth. Right. And now you millennial parenting the, you know, the the young, the young Zers or whatever the next generation is called. I forget what they're called. But they're saying that that's one of the reasons why a lot of these young Zers are now not going to church. It's not just because they're a product of their generation, it was because they grew up in a home where like 
they're saying that praying before a meal is like now like an anomaly in a home, you know, in their home where it was like common practice, like even in my house growing up, you know, and stuff like that. So things like that. And so I, I do think that part of this also is how they're being raised at home and, and it's leading to them saying the church is not relevant. Now, I do think like I've, I've heard this a lot of times from, from millennials um, and Zers is that, man, I see the way my parents are living. They go to church, but yet they're living so differently at home than how they try to live at church. And so because of that, they're just kind of walking away from the church. You know, they don't feel like, they feel like the church is like the breeding ground for hypocrisy, you know, and stuff. It's not the church's fault, I think, in many ways. It's really the the, the person's fault that's feeling like they need to kind of be somebody that they're really not. So I think those are some of the statistics. In fact, here, here it is. I mean, I got, I got some, you want me to read off some statistics? Sure. Childhood religious experience uh, says strongly impact adult lig- religiosity. They said 45% of Zers uh, went to, uh, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is a different type of statistic. 45% of Gen Zers actually um, went to church in the past. Versus um, what about millennials? Versus uh, millennials. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm totally butchering these stats here. I should have looked at this before. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm sorry. 34% of Gen Zers are religiously unaffiliated. The millennials is 29% are religiously unaffiliated. 25% of Gen X are religiously unaffiliated. And then 18% of baby boomers are religiously unaffiliated. So that's sort of like the modern statistic right now where all of that is. And so you realize as the older generation, they're a lot more inclined to be religiously affiliated than the Gen Zers. And, and and they're saying one of the major links to that is because a lot of these Zers didn't grow up in a home where religious practices were actually lived out. You know, but and so as a result I, of that um, that led to it. And and I realize this is a conflict of interest for you to talk about this because you are literally a pastor who pastors a church. Um I'm I'm speaking off the cuff here. So like I'm I'm not fully formulating these thoughts as I'm saying them. But I don't really know. Oh God, I don't really know if it's a hundred percent bad thing for Gen Zers and millennials to be less inclined to go to church. Mm. Why? Because I don't actually think church attendance necessarily correlates hundred percent with Christian people. Um, and I actually think if that were the case, I actually don't think we would be in the situation that we are in now. Um, and the cynical part of me says that because I actually think maybe the less Christians go out into the world and give Jesus a bad rep, the less bad press we get in general. And maybe it would actually flip and there will be more interest in Jesus. Okay. And I, the reason why I say this, I know I'm being a little frivolous, but yeah. um, when I was watching the Chosen documentary, right, a lot of these Gen Zers came in with the preconceived notion that church is bad. We don't like Christianity. Like it doesn't resonate with me. And yet pretty much, I would say most, if not all of those people who binged the chosen for this documentary found something about Jesus that resonated with them. And in fact, I think they were like, wow, like I didn't know Jesus was like this. Right. That is very sad because Clearly, the message there is that Christianity seems irrelevant to them, but Jesus is relevant. 
which means that there's a discrepancy between how Christians are portraying Jesus in our lives, yes. even though as Christians, by definition, we are people who follow Jesus and have Jesus in our hearts. We are not accurately portraying and reflecting Jesus to these people so that they, when they're presented with an actual picture of Jesus, they're like, who is this Jesus? Yeah. What is this? You know, and don't you think that is shocking and sad? Yeah, I think the church has a lot of work to do. I think Christians have a lot of work to do. We have to sort of unlearn a lot of things. And I think the culture of Christianity is very Pharisaic, you know, in many ways. And mm -hmm. so we have to be careful about that. But you cannot be a Christian without the church. It's impossible. And but I, what's when I say the order? What do you mean what's the, the order? It's the chicken and the egg. Well, you can't be a Christian unless... You know, like part of that, that comes through that your knowledge of God comes not just you alone. That that happens sometimes, but most of the time you come to know Jesus because of somebody else witnessing to you, right? I mean, that's right. really how it happens. And so right. that's that's church. When two or more gather in the name of Jesus, I'm there. You know, in that yes. way. And so I think you cannot be a Christian unless you're a part of the church. And I would say those nine people in that documentary, they were in church. They were the church. They came together. And then one of the beautiful things about that documentary was that they started to love on each other and support each other and, and like kind of like check in on each other. And their lives were changed. It wasn't just a documentary, but then they were able to be vulnerable and share their hearts with each other. They were there to support each other and hug each other. And that's the church. That's what the church is. Now, I know that we have a lot of work to do because the church has become so programmed now. It's an event now as opposed to doing life. You know, and stuff. So there is a lot of work to do. And I think we have to, you know, the leaders of the church have to really rethink how we do church, perhaps, you know, and stuff. And it's so easy, like even for me, it's so easy just to go the way that we used to go and do what we used to do. But obviously, you know, it it, it can't just be this event. It has to be an opportunity where people can do life together and really be honest and vulnerable and share with each other and encounter God through that and support and love each other. And that's the best way. You know, that's why I think the church is necessary because nobody's going to be able to grow by themselves and be a lone ranger Christian. That's impossible. You know, nobody, Jesus couldn't even do that. If anyone could have done it, it could have been Jesus. It should have been Jesus, but even he couldn't do it. So if he can't do it, there's no way we can. And also God is three, right? That's so right. It's built Three and into one. it's built into the whole thing. Okay, going back to the thing you said about how it's ironic that these young emerging adults seek community and yet they shun religious communities. Yes. Um part of it in my opinion is that they seek authentic community, but a lot of times I think the church does not seem to them as like an authentic community. It seems very um, contrived or judgmental mm -hmm. or very, um, I don't know, like crafted. And um, part of the, the whole reason why we're doing this podcast even is to kind of show that it's okay to be vulnerable and show our weaknesses because that's part of how God's glory is revealed. But I think a lot of times churches have not done that. And, you know, they have led not to like two weak pastor, but they've led with the strengths. And I think yeah. what that creates is a sense of inauthentic Community. Yes, and that yes. is something that I think Gen Z just cannot handle. They cannot like stand. they do not yes. want anything that yes. smells like inauthentic anything, right? I like agree. a fakeness. And I, I think agree. that um, that's partly the reason. Um, and I guess my I you know, and I've shared this before on the podcast. There has been a heavy kind of burden, like a good burden, um, for me in terms of going out and evangelizing. Now that word is also like, and when I think evangelism, I actually think 
Billy Graham, like mass evangelism, yeah. like huge rallies, renting out sports arenas and, you know, doing the call, altar call, and, like hundreds of people coming down mm-hmm. and receiving God, even like churches, right? Like yeah. altar call. And obviously God shows up that way and people are yeah. saved that way. But I just feel like as people change, as communities change, as the generations change, there is a huge, there's going to be a huge emphasis on the relational evangelism of not necessarily masses of people coming into church and being saved that way, although that will obviously happen, but real Christian people who love Jesus, who love people sharing the Jesus that they know personally with another person. Mm. And I think that is something that I've been feeling like is really going to be important in this next generation. Oh, absolutely. Because the closest thing somebody might ever get a chance to connecting with like Jesus or encountering his presence is going to be through you. Right. And I think that's going to be really important. And, uh, you know, it's so interesting because the study that I looked at this morning said that 39% of the Gen Zers who actually grew up in the church as a Protestant, Mm -hmm. Protestant Gen Zers who grew up in the church as a Protestant, um, they no longer go to church anymore. Um, they actually said that 39% of those people, because they, they're not in church anymore and they're not living a religious life, they're actually lonely and isolated. They're saying that they're lonely and isolated. So when they did this study, they're saying 39% of these people mm-hmm. grown up as a Protestant and they've left the church completely ha- are now saying that they're lonely and they're isolated. I know there's probably other reasons to contribute to that. But but yeah, so that's one thing. And Gen Zers are more likely to be atheist or agnostic than any other generation. And that, you know, that happens with all the new generations. It keeps growing, you know, and stuff like that. But because they don't have any type of religious background, they're just don't believe that there's a God or they don't believe that there's any way for us to really know if there's a God or not, you know? And so that's just an unfortunate reality, but the church has a lot of work to do. And I think that's the reason, you know, maybe what we could say is it safe to say, Sua, that if the church continues to do what it's doing today, um, kind of like what church is, um, maybe it's not necessary, right? Unless the church is willing to go through a deep reformation, a deep change, right? And and that's going to be important because if we're going to reach these young people, it, it, it's going to have to change. It can't just be what it is right now. And there has to be opportunities. And this is the stuff that you know that that you and I talk about on this podcast. But the work that I've been kind of working on that you helped me edit is this idea of like you know the principles that make up a weak church. Like what what how can we become a weak church? Meaning a place where we can really like our commonalities would be found in our weaknesses and not our strengths. That's going to be key, I think, going into the future of the church. If the church is to really be relevant and for its people to start saying it's necessary. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, I think it's just going to get bigger and bigger and more people are going to say the church is not necessary anymore. Like, I don't really think I need the church anymore. And that's a scary reality and we can't go there. And so there needs to be a reformation. And I'm not saying that, you know, Metro is like this perfect church because we are definitely not a perfect church. We struggle with community. We struggle with, you know, with with all of this as well. But I think there needs to be something that changes and there needs to be sort of a, a foundation where people can be who they are and that we accept them just as who they are and that it can be a place where they actually can share and share about their lives and share about their brokenness and things like that. And so, you know, we're doing this New Testament challenge um, at our church, meaning we're trying to go through the Bible through one year, the New Testament in one year. And one of the things that we tell people who signed up to do this, that if they have any biblical questions, they could actually send that question to Dr. David Hosang, who's a New Testament professor. My favorite. Yes. 
And so the great thing is people are doing that. People are actually right. sending him They're biblical engaging. questions because they don't know. And David is giving beautiful answers mm -hmm. back. But David, because like we said, well, could we make this public so that people in our church oh, can write? That would write? be so great. Right. But here's what David said. David said, well, we would have to edit some of it because some people have shared some really deep stuff about oh, their see, own life. I okay. And I was like, that made me so proud. Mm. I was like, our church gets it because most, I would just think people are just going to ask biblical questions, but they're trying to apply it to their life and they're opening up and they're sharing some deep things in their own life, pains and hurts that they've gone through. And they're trying to make sense of a text. And I'm just like, wow, that is so awesome that at least at Metro, that we've really tried to embrace this idea of being vulnerable, being transparent. And that's been a, something that's a foundation. And that's really helping us to kind of, you know, do the things that we're trying to do here in this area here in New Jersey. But I do feel like that that's going to be one of the key things. If we're gonna, if a church is going to be necessary today, or it's going to be relevant to a Gen Z generation, I just think that idea of being vulnerable and transparent and creating that is going to be huge. But what it's going to require is the lead pastor or the senior staff members and the elders, they have to be the ones to lead the way in that. Like they have to set the tone for that level of vulnerability. If they're not going to do it, then nobody else will do it. And that's what I've learned over the years at our church. And I realized that if the leadership doesn't do it, then there's no way that you can expect other people to do it. But when they're able to do it, then it's pretty amazing. Because even something like that, when you say, hey, you know, if you have any questions when you're reading the gospel of Mark, you can ask. And they're writing an email. They're opening up about their own pains and what they're struggling with. And they're trying to make sense of a text. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So anyway, yeah. So any other thoughts from you, Sua? Um, so last week, one of the pastors at my current church preached a sermon. And um, I didn't agree with something he said. And I was, of course, telling my husband about it. What was it? it? What was it? Um, no, it wasn't like a theological thing. It was okay. more so that um, he was saying basically that if you're not experiencing Jesus that you need to be plugged into the church and do these various events that we have coming up and you need to plug yourself in. Okay. I don't actually think that's wrong. I actually yeah, think that, yeah. that's true. However, he missed a huge part of it because it should be you do your personal relationship with Jesus and then in addition you also have to do the community aspect. But mm. to me the reason why I that didn't like I didn't fully agree with it was because to me as a person in the church a significant challenge or obstacle that i think a lot of people who attend church regularly have is that we don't have a personal relationship and we keep relying yeah. on other people to give it to us yes um and so we go to church on sunday and we ask a pastor to give us all of the knowledge of god that we need yeah. for the rest of our lives how is that possible He's another human being. And, you know, going with our previous podcast episode, then we put on them all of the things that we ask God to give us because yeah. we don't, we're not getting anything from God. We're not receiving personally from God. So we expect this pastor to A, give us what we need from God, yep. all yep. of it, and B, then we ascribe the things that are only reserved for God to our pastors, yeah. then making them into these demigods that should never fail and ever make mistakes. And then we yeah. put really high standards on them that are unfair, right? And I feel like that was kind of why I was like, okay, but that that's true. You should get plugged yeah. into the church, but you're missing a whole part in the beginning. And I feel like that's one of the things for me is like, I've never not, like my experience with the church has never been perfect, right? I've attended various churches in my 39 years. Um, there's definitely been times when I've been hurt 
by people in the church, even pastors or, you know, things that have happened that I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's right. But the reason why I've never doubted the church or its importance in my life is because I, I have already an established relationship with Jesus. And so it's kind of goes together. Right. And I feel like a lot of the reason why when I hear other people leave the church, it's because it was kind of incomplete. Like their picture of what a Christian walk should be was largely dependent on what they got from other people and the pastor and the small group, but they didn't have a solid foundation of how to gauge those things. And I feel like maybe the reason why the church is, I don't want to say losing power or like losing it's, popularity it's, lo- it's losing i mean it's a church the attendance of church and church participation is going down every year so it's just i mean statistically there's science behind that to prove it so yeah my opinion on that again this is not like evidence-based opinion this is literally just my opinion i think it's because we've made it to um like i think that we haven't shown the people what it actually means to be a christian i think yeah. we've distracted them a lot with other things Mm. and the other things are all good things yeah but if you don't have the foundation those things if you are going to base your faith on other people and what they can give you people are going to disappoint you all the time all the time there's no way a person will not disappoint you at some point and if your faith is based not on jesus but on your small group leader on your pastor on your you know church friends if that's your foundation and that's the reason why you go to church and that's who you expect to fill you up, then you are going to leave eventually because those are imperfect things. If you already have a foundation in Jesus, then you can see those things and say, nevertheless, yeah. this is my community and I yeah. have been called here and I can still love them nevertheless. Yeah. But if that becomes your ultimate thing and ultimate reason why you go to church, then there's no way you can survive that. It's too so- difficult. Yeah. So what I love, what, so here's, I, I think to sum it up is is this, and I love what you just shared there, Sua. We have to stop living off the spiritualities of other people. Yes. And that's what we're doing. It's a secondhand spiritual faith, right? So we go to a church, we expect the pastor to give us something. You're living off the spirituality of the pastor. And what Sua is saying is simply this, you got to be able to nurture, develop your own spiritual life in Jesus Christ. If you yeah. can't do that, then you're not going to really grow. And churches will always disappoint us no matter what. That's going to happen regardless. It's going to always happen in our lives. And so we have to realize that. And also the church is, I mean, if you think about it, it's a group of people that are incredibly broken and sinful. And so why do we always think the church has to be perfect, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Because it's broken people trying to do something where they're trying to point to Jesus Christ. And do we do it perfectly? Of course not. We fall and all that stuff. But no matter what, Jesus chooses to be the head of the church with a whole group of imperfect people. I think that's one of the most beautiful things about it. And, uh, and something for us to sort of like pay attention to and realize is that that's, that's just the reality of it. And so, yeah, so, you know, the church is necessary uh, no matter what, because, you know, one of the things in how you and I can encounter, you know, God is yes, you need to nurture your spirituality by yourself. And I'm all for that. I go to spiritual retreats on my own. You know, I do feel like my own relationship with God is so important but I think when Sue is saying that you need to have your own nurture, your own spiritual relationship, she's not saying that that needs to be devoid of community yes, because community enhances your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
So it's not just a, a group of people you're going to have fun with. These are people that you're going to do life with, locking arms together with. And that's why it's so important. And church is the only place where Jesus is the head. It's the only institution where in the Bible you see that Jesus is the head. And so when you get together with some people in the church and you do life at a deep level, you're going to encounter Jesus in a real powerful way. You're going to have deeper revelations of Jesus. And that's how you nurture your relationship uh, with God. I think what Sue was saying was that when you're just sitting in a chair and listening to a pastor, you think that that's going to that that's going to that's the thing in how you grow in your relationship with God. It's never going to happen. You're not going to really ever grow in your relationship with God. Um, just listening to a pastor preach. I think pastors can help you. It should be supplemental, yeah. Yeah. but it can't be foundational, even if it's somebody like Tim Keller, somebody <laughs> that you love. Even if how it's dare like a Tim you? Keller. All right. How dare even you? if it's like a Tim Keller, if he's the only one and 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 the only time you really get the word of God in your life is by listening to a pastor, then you're never gonna really grow. And you're just living off the spirituality of that person. Yeah, I made him an good. idol, remember? Yeah, your mom, your mom, thank God for I your mom. She convicted you, man. Yeah, and imagine, I mean, and I think about it, like imagine he had, God forbid, done something that was like a mortal sin or something, right? Like yeah. imagine, like what do you think would have happened to my faith if I had based it entirely on him? Yeah, absolutely. You know? It's very dangerous, and he, oh, that's also oh. not fair to him. Well, yeah, and, and anyway. then and then you go even deeper, you know, with some of the people in the chosen, where there was this one woman that shared that you know church leaders actually sexually abused her, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that is so deep and dark. And how could so you sad. ever want to go back to a church or any church for that matter? when you have that deep-seated fear that you can't trust leadership anymore. And that takes an incredible amount of you know time and healing if, if they would ever even want to try to come back to the church. And so we have so much work to do, honestly, uh, as a church, as Christians, and we're both imperfect. The institution of the church is imperfect. People that make up the church are imperfect. Christians are imperfect. It's just about can we come together and find our commonality, not in the things that we find our strengths, but really things that we find ourselves to be weak in. And I think if that's the case, then we can potentially have a, a chance in allowing the church to be the church that Jesus had dreamed of when, you know, when he came and when he told Peter in Matthew, you know, Peter on this rock, I will build my church. Mm -hmm you i will build my church on you you know in that way and i think it would be really really yeah really cool um the only other thing is so i'd like to ask you too and you can think about this what are some things you think the church needs to do so that it can continue to reach the next generation the zers and things like that like what are some things you think because you've been a part of a lot of different churches that you really think that is going to be necessary for us to reach the zers in that way i have a couple thoughts mm -hmm. um the, one of the big things i do think you know and i and, and i share this in my in, in the thing and you know soulmates are important all that stuff but i think another thing is that we have to help christians get emotionally healthy mm. we do that we cannot deny you know, I think there's three aspects to a human person. There's the physical health, there's the spiritual health, but there's also the emotional health. And I just think so many Christians today are emotionally unhealthy, pastors included. And as a result of that, they do so much to hurt other people. And so I do think emotionally healthy spirituality, Pete Scazzera wrote that book and he does a lot of work on this area, um, is going to be critical, I think, for a church in order for them to be a healthy church where people are impacting and, and, and experiencing Jesus. I think it's going to be key. I really do. Any thoughts on that, Sua? Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Yeah. And, and the only other thing that I would say, and, you know, like there's all these different things that I can say, but, I, you know, for the sake of time, the only other thing I would say is I do really believe also that the church 
has to realize that the gospel message is not just our reconciliation with Jesus Christ, but the other aspect of the gospel message is racial justice. Mm. And we don't do that. And I think that's one of the reasons why, especially Zers, because they're the most social yeah. justice conscious generation of all, right? And this is not about being politically correct, because when you read the Bible, particularly uh, Ephesians, and read chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, and I've said this many times before, but you know, the first 10 verses, Paul talks about that the gospel being our reconciliation with God through the death of Jesus Christ. And then the verses 11 through 20, Jesus talk, uh, Paul talks about Jesus' death. And what it does is that now it breaks down the walls of racial hostility between Jews and Gentiles. And so there's this aspect when you realize that one of the beautiful things, because racism is one of the sinful human constructs that have been, you know, been there from 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 like the beginning of time, right? It's something that's been there that is that is deeply demonic and is evil. And part of I think the gospel message and that we with the church, we've been preaching half the gospel. We haven't also talked about that racial justice is absolutely critical. And in order for us to really be about that, in order for a church to really be open to that, I think we really have to ask some really important questions. One of the most important questions is this, how have I been complicit in the injustice of racism? Like we have to be willing to ask those questions. And I just think there are too many churches and too many church leaders that shy away from talking about that. And they won't do it because the church is too homogenous. It's too one specific ethnicity and they don't want to go there. But we have to be willing to go there. If you're not going to go there and the church continues to be constructed or people, it's people never being challenged to deal with their own sins of racism, then I don't, I don't know. I don't know how relevant the church is going to be. And I think that's really critical. It's an important part to it. I know I might be stepping on some toes right now, especially if some church leaders are listening to this and they're thinking, what? Racial justice? That's a political thing. It's really not. I mean, when you read Revelations in heaven, it's going to be all tribes, all tongues, you know, all nations coming and worshiping our God. Like one of the best ways in how we can give people a taste of what heaven's going to be like today is when everyone can come together and worship God. And you know, you know this, Sua, that doesn't happen unless we're willing to really talk about racism. That doesn't happen unless we're really willing to talk about our wounds and our hurts and also repenting and asking God to forgive us. And I just feel like that's something that's been really neglected in the church and it continues to be neglected in the church. And I think the longer we neglect that aspect, I think the less and less people are going to find the church to be real necessary. So I don't, those are just my thoughts. Any thoughts on your end? Um, yes. So, you know, like after I left Metro, I visited various churches. I have been a member of three churches at this point. Um, and something that's very interesting to me was, you know, like during like the whole, I think I want to say it was like the nineties and maybe early two thousands, there was this whole movement of how to attract new visitors to churches. Yeah. Um, it was like a whole movement. And I think a lot of things they call the seeker sensitive movement. The seeker sensitive yeah. movement. Not that it was entirely a bad thing. Yeah. But I think that what and I the remnants that I see of it are that we added a lot of things to the gospel message. Like we added a lot of things to Jesus. Yeah. So it was like Jesus plus a great worship team. Jesus plus like a, a smoke machine. smoke machine. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> and I'm not saying inherently these things are bad, yeah. but in doing it, I feel like we almost 
doubted the ability of the gospel itself and Jesus itself yeah. to be enough to resonate yeah. and change people's lives because Jesus by itself is not going to do it. This is a different time. This is a different generation. We got to add all of these other things. We got to, and I'm not saying these things are bad. I think it's important to know about the yes. Gen Z's. It's important to know about how the world is changing. It's important to know how these people are wired in a different way than mm. we could ever understand. But simultaneously, I think there has to be a really large fear of God and how big he is and the gravity of what Jesus has already done for us and that we don't need anything in addition to Jesus. Just like we saw in the Chosen documentary, just exposing these people who had such negative preconceived notions yeah. about the church, Jesus blew them away. You know, yeah, yes. of course, there was like a lot of great like staging and like old acting and all yeah. this stuff. But the message of Jesus is timeless. The message yes. of Jesus is universal. And we don't need all of these other things. And we don't need to water it down so that the good news just becomes good advice. And I think that's mm. what has happened to a lot of churches. Secondly, I think the church was called to be prophetic. And one of the things that I think about, because you said the whole racial justice component. Yeah. I remember when Metro started talking about racial justice right after the whole Trayvon Martin tragedy. Yeah. Um, it was pretty early on. Um, not that we were the first to ever do it. Definitely not. But I think it was yeah. definitely earlier than a lot of other non-historically black churches were talking yeah. about it. Um, there was a lot of, um, you know, issues within the church, a lot of people getting angry within our church. And I know other pastors who were doing the same thing, who were getting the same thing, mass exodus from their church, congregation members getting yeah. upset. Yeah. But I remember that as a very prophetic moment in Metro, uh, Metro's church, like history, because you especially, and I do credit you a lot on this because you were the leader ultimately, um, because you you said yes to something without seeing where it was going because God put it on your heart. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about church for me is like the church is supposed to be prophetic. It's supposed to be something that is different and set apart from what the secular world believes or yeah. does. It's not always popular. Um, and I think that's the thing with this generation is like popularity is like such a big thing. Everybody yeah. wants to be liked. Yeah. And unfortunately, we're catering. And we churches all, too. Yeah. Yes. And I yes. think in doing so, yes, you might attract a visitor here or yeah. there more than regular, but you're losing the actual power of what the church is supposed to be because we're catering to popularity and we're catering to wanting to draw people. Again, nothing wrong with wanting to draw people. Yeah. But then we can't lose what God appointed the church to be in the yeah. first place. Yeah. You know, um, I think I'm all over the place right now. I, 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 I'm, I'm just wondering why hasn't God called you to be a pastor? You'd be a wonderful pastor. <laughs> I really do. Like the way you're talking, it's, I'm like, oh man, we no, need more it's pastors too much pressure, like you. Obviously, we need more pastors. I can't handle like you. the pressure. Oh, but you are a pastor. That's why you're on the Week Pastors podcast. So, <laughs> no, but, th but that's why I think about Metro, and it really gives me hope. Because I say to, and again, I say to John once again, John's like, stop, just enough. But seriously, like you, Peter, Pastor Peter, you did this without seeing what was going to happen. You did this because God told you you'd go do this. And you know what? 10 years later, all the churches started doing it. Yeah. You know, and you, we, I feel like Metro was kind of like a leader in that voice, in that community. And I feel like that you, we were only able to achieve that because you said yes when you couldn't see where God was taking you. you know. And I feel like we yeah. need more of that. We need more of that.
Yeah, you know, it's so easy to see it now, but man, when you go through it, it yeah. was so hard and painful and, and it was just all kinds of ugly, you know, in every way. But I'm just so grateful. And I think the beautiful thing about this is that, you know, like I, I say this a lot. I just felt like when, when we went through that season, I was getting kicked between the legs like every day. And I was it's like, terrible. this this really sucks. And, um, you know, but what's so beautiful now, and, you know, Sue, you were a big proponent of really supporting me through all of this and helping me to see things I had never seen before. And one of the most beautiful things about all of this is that, like, right now, mm. I just have to be the cheerleader. It's awesome. Like, our staff, oh, my gosh. Like, they're taking it to a different level. And it's just so beautiful to see and it comes at a cost because we lost some amazing people and I was deeply hurt by some of that stuff, but it comes at a cost, but it's, but it's about, again, it's about being value, trusting in something that mm -hmm. God has convicted you of. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe like this, it's in my blood that if you preach a gospel without racial justice, you're mm -hmm. preaching only 50% of the gospel. Wow. Because whenever whenever a church doesn't deal with a sin that makes people feel lesser than mm -hmm. that is awful mm -hmm. and racism has destroyed people's lives as long as we can remember it and we have to talk about it we have to say this is why jesus came he came yeah. to not only reconcile us with jesus christ but he came to destroy the walls of hostility between jews and gentiles right. so that they can be one and that's jesus's prayer in john 17 it was the last thing he prayed for before he was crucified on the cross he said father let them be one so that the world will know that you have sent me and jesus was praying for he saw it he saw it and he was hoping and I, I hope that if you're a church leader, you would realize that that's part of Jesus' prayer, that if you're willing to do that, you're you're going to be, you know, you're going to be an answered prayer that our Lord prayed 2,000 years ago for us. And it's really important. I do think like when we can do that, when we're really going to be about the Bible in that way, then I think the church will be relevant. And I think the church will connect and people will say, you know, church is still necessary because it's a place where we can come and talk through all of this. And I, I do think it's great that that folks outside the church are really talking about racial justice, but you can't have racial justice without Jesus. Like really, I mean, you can have tolerance. You can now say, okay, we're going to start doing this. We're going to have companies that have chief diversity officers. That's all great, you know, but to really accept and see somebody as your equal, mm -hmm. you can't do that without Jesus. Like, I just don't think you can. And so, you know, Jesus will show you and show you that we're all one in him. And so, yeah, anyway, you know, it's, it's, it's an important thing. And I think that that's such an important component because churches have compassionate stuff, ministries, yes. churches love to help, you know, the poor and the hurting because they feel good when they do that. But uh, churches have to be about the racial justice aspect of it. I think that's going to be really important. Yeah. And then the last thing I would just say, I don't know. And then I'll get to you, Sue, if you have any thoughts on what the churches need to do. We have to we have to um, create opportunities uh, for people to do life on life discipleship, right? So I think one of the things that we've done so much of is that we do discipleship through classrooms, right? Through teaching, like in a lecture kind of a way. Mm -hmm. And I just think like if we can start to do discipleship more in a life on life way, where we actually invite people to like check us out and watch how we live, as opposed to just the things that we talk about how we should live. I think they're going to learn a lot more. And so that means like inviting people that you want to disciple into your life, you know, and you know, I've done that through HD. I call them, it's so cheesy now to call HD because there's UHD, there's OLED, <laughs> right? But back yeah, in the what's day, the new 
<laughs> it actually worked, but it's still sticky because everyone still talks about I'm it. I'm a grad. H I'm an yes, HD living HD, grad. HD living, which means high definition living. And basically, it's kind of like doing this life on life approach. You know, I did do some teaching and stuff like that, but it's welcoming people to kind of come and see how you live. And the big thing about this type of discipleship is that you got to get people to do a life confession in front of, in community and open up and share the great moments of their life, but also share the darkest moments of their life. And uh, when we can do that in community and pray for each other and encourage each other, oh man, it does something. It really does. And it really impacts people's lives through that. And then it gives people the desire then to realize there's a lot of power in vulnerability because Christ says his strength will be perfected in us. So I think that's really an important aspect to have as well as uh, churches try to impact people's lives going forward. And if we're going to just keep doing the same thing where it's event-driven and you know we try to do all these other things that try to get people's attention, great. You know, I, I, I don't disagree with any of that stuff. Like you're saying, like fog lights and all like, you know, we have a great worship team as well. But if it's not like in the right intentions and it's just, hey, we need to sound good because we need to attract people, it's got to be more than that. You know, it's got to be more than that. There has to be something deeper than that. So those are just my thoughts. What about you, Sua, before we close? I agree with everything. I was thinking about, um, like, I don't know, in Korea right now, there's a huge cult called Shincheonji. Have you heard of the no. cult Shincheonji? Isn't it's that the, is, was that the cult that, that like started the pandemic in Korea? Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they yeah, kept yeah, gathering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and yeah. my mom was saying that all these churches in Korea, like large churches, it, there's signs on their doors that say no Shincheonjis allowed. Um, oh, wow. Which I thought was so kind of interesting because it, it made me feel like, are you that? And I get to some degree why they're doing that because mm -hmm. they're trying to watch out for their congregation. But simultaneously made me think like, is the church so powerless that we have to be afraid yeah. of cult people coming in? Again, I know it's a balance. I get it. Sure, like we sure. have to protect our people. I get that. Yeah. But is there, does God not love people who are in cults? Does God yep. not want yep. to meet them as well? And is mm. the church so powerless that we think we can't stand against a cult, that they are so strong, they're going to persuade our people away? And yes, that is a risk. I completely understand why a pastor would post something like that. But it just put me into this mindset of, man, like fog lights, again, no, mm -hmm. nothing against fog lights, great worship team, great events great signage is not going to be the thing that yeah. empowers our people to convert those people who come into our communities, right? It's going to yeah. be the gospel only. And man, like it would be so great if we could get the church to a place where we are not trembling because cult people are coming into our church because we know that there's power of Jesus in our church right. to convert those people That's to right. come and join our community instead That's of right. being like, no, no yeah. cult people in our church. Because to me, in a way that shows that we're afraid that yeah. that might be more powerful than what we are offering. You, you, you know? know what's you know what's so cool about what you just shared? Like I, I'm going to ruin it for people. I, have you watched the latest episode of Chosen uh, on season no, three? No, I, I, I haven't. Oh. I'm going to binge it all. I'm going to binge okay. it all. So all I would say is this: that there was a situation where there was like a cultic group that came, and they were going to kill one of the disciples, and um, and they didn't, they didn't, they they thought he was a traitor because he left the cult, mm. and um. He just openly shared. He said, no, I didn't. He's like, I found the Messiah. And he mm. said, why don't you come and see? And these are wow. these are killers. Like, these are killers. Wow. 
That's amazing. And he didn't fear, you know, and he was afraid because he knew that there was a bounty on his head. These guys were going to come. Mm-hmm. He was afraid that maybe they would kill Jesus, you know, so he would, there was a worry about it. But then when he just started sharing about what Jesus did in his life, mm. he invited them to see. And so, yeah, Jesus was speaking, he was doing miracles and they all came and they watched and they saw what he was doing and they were so impacted by it. They were so deeply, and they didn't, they didn't kill him. They just, they walked away. And I love that drama. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly like what you're saying. Like, if we believe in Jesus, why are we telling somebody they can't come to the building? Yeah. You know, unless they're going to intentionally try to hurt somebody and, right, right. you know, do something awful to people. But maybe if they come, they'll come to know Jesus in the process, right. you know, and stuff. And uh, you know, what's been interesting, like this is a, a, you know, I hope I can share this, but, you know, we had uh, this person coming to our church and uh, this person uh, was a Mooney. Oh, oh, wow. And uh, and this person would send me emails to attend the conferences and stuff like that and different things. They were and, a missionary. Uh, They're yeah. a missionary to mention. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, this person just came out so religiously and brought other people with her at times. And they were just trying, and I was just being very respectful. I said, listen, I read all the stuff that you gave to me and you invited me to. And I just said, listen, I can't. I can't be a part of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I believe in the Lord. I believe in Jesus Christ. I don't believe in Reverend Moon. I don't believe that he is the real Messiah and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I just said, I just, I respectfully disagree uh, with you and I'm not going to attend any of those things. And then here's what she said to me. She said, is it okay if I still come to this church? Like, is it okay wow. if I still come to this church? Because I sense God here. And wow. I said to her, I was like, of course you can. Like, of course you can come here. And I'm telling you, wow. she comes every week and she helps out in our church. And she's given her life to the Lord in a way now where she is now a part of like, and we have a, a group of intercessors that come and pray for our church before service mm-hmm. starts. She's a part of that group now. And I'm just like, wow. God can do anything. Yeah, Like God can do anything as long as you're open and you let them encounter Christ. And she's doing it not just through the Sunday services, but she's encountering people in our community. And she's like, this is just, this is different. Like, mm-hmm. and, and she's just being, and you know, she's an older lady, but it's just great to see that. And I do think like, you're so right. We cannot be afraid of cults or other things like that, because if maybe they come, maybe they'll, you know, I think they came in to try to convert me yeah. you know, and stuff <laughs> like that. But in, in, you know, at the end of the day, I think she came in contact with the presence of Christ and mm-hmm. she just can't deny who he is mm-hmm. he is a true mm-hmm. and only messiah you know in that right. way so any event yeah so any other thoughts before we wrap up there uh no i think her? i've said enough <laughs> i think i've said enough for the day <laughs> why do you always laugh like that i'm when gonna I call save you it for john pastor? i'm gonna save all my other thoughts for john okay <laughs> well, well listen i would love to know your thoughts and if you have any recommendations on what you think the church needs to do or start to grow into, I would love to hear it from you. And, you know, listen, if you attend Metro, you've attended Metro and you even have feedback for us, I would really welcome it. You can email me at, uh, at Peter at weekpastor.org or just go on our website, weekpastor.org. My information is there. Uh, you can also comment on our social media page when this episode comes up. Uh, you can just share your thoughts and we'll do our very best to get back to you. But I do want to thank you for listening. And if you like this podcast and if you like what you're hearing, I would encourage you if you can share it on your own social media, we would love to just keep growing uh, because we do feel like the things that we do talk about is relevant. It could potentially help people to reconnect with Jesus Christ. And that's kind of our hope. So thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you'll tune in again next week. Take care. Thank you. Bye.